welcome to Transform, a podcast highlighting the people and ideas shaping the future of senior living. I'm Austin Montgomery, a reporter for Senior Housing News. On today's episode, I spoke with Denise Falco, who is the Senior Vice President of Operations at Sunrise Senior Living. The McLean, Virginia-based company operates 257 communities and is the sixth largest provider in the United States. Sunrise Senior Living recently unveiled the new vision statement to, quote, create a preferred lifestyle for enjoying a longer, healthier, happier life, and the company is executing on that through its flagship luxury properties, all while gearing up to implement enhanced lifestyle and wellness options across its entire portfolio. It's not only about care anymore. It is going to be about lifestyle. It is going to be about the baby boomers and what it is they want to continue to do in their lives. Now, here's my interview with Denise Falco, Senior Vice President of Operations at Sunrise Senior Living. Denise, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And for those who aren't familiar with Sunrise East 56 and the Apsley, could you briefly give an overview of these two luxury communities? Absolutely. So uh, these two properties do fall into the larger Sunrise Assisted Living portfolio. We have approximately 276 communities throughout the United States in Sunrise Senior Living. I oversee a third of those communities. It's a little over 90 or so communities and the Apsley and East 56 fall within my, my overview. They uh, are our two luxury properties in the city of Manhattan. So they are our first two within the borough of Manhattan. So uh, super excited about that. We do have some other properties that fall into uh, a city market area. So we have San Francisco, we have Washington, D.C., but these are our first two uh, within the city, the borough of Manhattan. So excited about them. East 56 has opened. It's been opened a little bit over a year. So we have welcomed uh, many residents into that particular building. And the Apsley is not open. We are in the pre-lease of face and they are finishing up construction now. Both high-rise communities, about 120 or so units within these two buildings, 20 to 21 floors, and have a lot of very similar characteristics, but then they have their own unique personalities uh, within the neighborhoods that they fall in Manhattan. That's very exciting. Would you want to briefly explain why you think both of these communities kind of exemplify the goal of being the future of luxury senior living? They absolutely exemplify that goal. I think not only from a physical structure standpoint, but uh, from the lifestyle and the amenities and the goal to really collaborate with the local communities, it fits within kind of that whole theme of luxury senior living and what we offer to that residence that is looking for this particular type of lifestyle. And obviously, Sunrise is all in on luxury senior living with both of these communities. What drove the focus on luxury senior living? Anything you can say right now on what's next for Sunrise's luxury portfolio? Would love to really know kind of what started on this journey and how we got to this point. So I think the start was just, um, you know, our development team really does a lot of research on, you know, where there's a supply and demand and what that may look like. And through that research, I think they definitely found that there was a low supply of quality senior living in New York City. So we'll stick to this particular um, market. So after much research and with all the data showing, you know, the silver tsunami and baby boomers coming into the market and what it is they would be looking for, 
because of all of the data that they collected and the low supply that was in this market, felt that Manhattan was, would be a great place to start dabbling in luxury senior living. And then I think the conversation started between Heinz, Welltower, and Sunrise to partner on these two properties, uh, which was is a very unique setup for us. So I think in collaboration with other organizations that are looking to get into this luxury senior living field and are you know, many years of research on where there is a supply of seniors who are looking for a, a certain type of product. I think Manhattan fit, fit all of those needs. And is there anything you can say right now on just what, what the, the future holds for the luxury portfolio? Is there anything, anything we can look forward to? Anything you can say? So, I mean, nothing specific, but I think that these two buildings have definitely opened our eyes up to how exciting these projects could be to the type of uh, resident and consumer that we could, you know, show what senior living is all about. I think we are always looking at other opportunities, whether it's luxury senior living in a, a city setting or um, you know, more of a less urban environment and our standard mansion. But if I had to bet, I would say we are we are definitely going to look into doing uh, future luxury senior living buildings in various areas throughout the country. And obviously, in the first year of operations, I'm sure you learned a lot at Sunrise East 56. What were some of the biggest takeaways that you learned just starting in on this luxury senior living journey? Well, we opened really, or we tried to lease up and open really in the middle of the pandemic. So I think that provided uh, many challenges that aren't unique to this particular property. But I think what we learned is just the customer is extra special in this particular market, right? It is a luxury property. They are very used to living in the city at a certain level and expect that with senior living as well. So what is it besides care that we could offer to these folks? We are very known as as the senior living company that provides a high quality of care. Absolutely. It happens at East 56 and the absolutely also. But what is that and conversation? What else are they getting for it? What is the lifestyle? What What is it that we are going to do to support what they have been so used to living in this particular market? And that was a, a learning curve for us, right? So we have a different staffing model. We've changed our amenities to meet the needs of those residents that, that live with us at East 56. What was the occupancy of the community at, at year end in December, if you can say? And how does that figure square with any lease up goals that were set maybe at the beginning of 2022? Mm-hmm. So we are happy with our lease up pace at East 56. I think we continue to tweak our marketing efforts and continue to make sure that we're aligned with the local markets and those geographical areas that our residents are drawn from from these particular buildings. So, you know, we'll continue to lease up, but, you know, we're happy with the activity we've seen and the interest we've seen in in both buildings, both in very different stages of lease up. So with these 56 being open, I think there's a different focus there on, um, you know, what does our marketing look like and what is our what do our referrals look like and where we want them to come from? And the absolutely we're just starting that. So really focusing a lot on just getting that brand out there, the name of the building, the absolutely what is it? What will it offer to this particular community? But overall, I think we're very happy with the interest that we're seeing in these two properties. And more broadly, just to follow up off of that, for the communities that you oversee, what are you seeing right now in terms of occupancy? I know industry wide, we're slowly seeing a build back. And I think we're six straight quarters into growth growth of building back occupancy to pre-pandemic levels. 
And just recently, earlier this week, uh, I tuned into a webinar and Beth Mace had spoken uh, at NIC and mentioned essentially for primary markets, it could be 2024 when that gets to pre-pandemic levels. So more broadly, what are you seeing right now at other Sunrise communities in terms of occupancy? So I think that uh, we are definitely seeing a progression in the right direction uh, when it comes to occupancy. In this particular field, I think we have seasonal occupancy trends. And um, at the moment, this isn't, you know, the top of our market. So end of Q4, beginning of Q1 normally aren't times of the year where we will see massive positive swings in our occupancy. But over the last year or so, we have definitely seen those positive trends. Um, So we are seeing activity from top of the funnel all the way down to the bottom of funnel for activity. So we're seeing a lot more inquiries. We're seeing a lot more customers coming in and and seeing the product in person. And we are definitely seeing a lot more move-ins than we have historically seen. So I think very similar to the rest of the industry, feeling confident with what our occupancy will look like in the future. And obviously to have those occupancy gains, that's really great to have to hold on to, especially when margins are extremely so tight right now for operators. How are they at Sunrise? Love to to really look at margins and really kind of tone into there because I think there's a lot of great information and a lot of insight into just the health of the industry when we start talking about margins. So if we want to use Sunrise at East 56 as an example, just focusing on one of the flagship communities here, what are you seeing right now in terms of margin and where it's at? And if that's not a good example, if you want to kind of offer the, a different community, I would love to really just have a, have that conversation about margins. Sure. And I think, you know, We are a for-profit organization, so I think it's always something that we're discussing, and I think it's finding the balance, right, so between the mission and the margin and how do we continue to provide that quality care and yet still be good stewards of the the dollar or the company. And and I think the biggest challenge in, in being able to provide, you know, margins that are acceptable, I I think, is the labor battle at the moment, right? I think that is going to be our biggest focus this year to ensure that the margins are where they need to be and we continue to provide the care that is of the quality that that folks have seen. So labor, labor, and more labor will continue to be the focus to ensure, you know, our margins and our care are, are where they need to be. And just getting into that care piece, senior living customers of today want and need more than ever before. Uh, What does it take to offer a holistic experience for residents at Sunrise at East 56? We'll stick with that because that's obviously had a year under its belt and you're able to really kind of learn some things uh, operations wise, but would love to know just what does it take to really provide that top to bottom experience for residents? So I think it's following the care model that we, you know, have been following for the last 40 years within Sunrise. So, uh, and I alluded earlier to, but that and conversation, right? So at specifically at East 56, absolutely they want care, but many of these families could have gone to a, a, a home care model instead of moving into assisted living, senior living. So it is what they get in addition to the quality care that has been uh, the huge focus for us at East 56. And they are those lifestyle pieces. What are they getting from a, an amenity standpoint? What is the building offering them? What kind of socialization are we offering them? Uh, what connections are we still able to assist them with out in the community that they were so used to? So those are the types of things that are kind of the the plus, you know, the add-on, the and conversations that these residents are absolutely looking for. It's not about the quality of care that we provide. 
that's a no-brainer, right? We are also partnering with Northwell at East 56. So very strong collaboration with Northwell Hospital. They are on site. There are a lot of programs specific to East 56 that Northwell is providing for our residents from a care standpoint. So again, care, top-notch, uh, no questions asked there. But what it makes us different is that care plus that and conversation, that lifestyle. How are we tailoring what the, it is they really want to do specifically to them? And the team has been able to do that uh, between the staff that they've chosen, the concierge services that are available, um, the amenities and the connections they've made with a lot of local organizations within New York City has made the difference for this community. Yeah, we just had touched base with, I think, the executive director of East 56 a couple months ago for a Q&A just to get a, a more clear picture of what it was like on the ground. And we had just, we're really just getting a sense of what what was going on inside the community and learning all about the kind of customizable resident experiences and all the, all the options for lifestyle uh, that were really involved, I think was very interesting. Would you want to maybe give a couple examples of some of the partnerships that, that you think are, are working really well to offer those custom experiences? And sure. um, in terms of just lifestyle things, we could really dive into that before we move on. I think one of the, the biggest collaborations, and I think the one that most of the residents enjoy the most is with Juilliard. Huge focus on the arts within this particular community. And we have actually uh, combined forces with Juilliard and we provide on a monthly basis various uh, opportunities for our residents to participate in. Uh, and when I say participate in, I really mean they are participating in various artistic programs with Juilliard. They also, there's an educational series with Juilliard that our residents participate in. And there are numerous performances that not only do we go to Juilliard and see in person, but their students come to us as well. So that's been one of the strongest um, collaborations. We are also just starting up and working with Broadway Cares. So we will be uh, working with them and how we could sponsor events and work with them on, on what it is that they are doing with the Broadway community. Um, so we are working through some finer details on that. So uh, more to come there, but super excited about that relationship. And then there are relationships with the New York Historical Society, uh, MoMA, the Met, and then specific to East 56, the East Midtown Partnership has been super helpful in uh, really having East 56 assimilate into that local, hyper-local market around East 56. Um, and they have done a lot of collaboration there. And one of the bigger things they did is which I don't know. I, I lived in New Jersey. I didn't realize trick or treating wasn't a thing in, in New York City. So uh, we, I, I, who knew? Uh, so they partnered with the uh, East Midtown Partnership, and kids came and trick or treated all through East Fifty Six. So there's been a lot of community partnerships uh, that's really putting East Fifty Six on the map in that particular area. And with that emphasis on lifestyle, uh, having the baseline of what you talked about earlier of the care of the care model as something that's just a given, do you think that these lifestyle options are something that could be applicable to other Sunrise communities in the future? Are you really learning things that you want to talk about, maybe just expanding those lifestyle opportunities for other Sunrise communities outside of major uh, metro areas? 
it is absolutely a conversation. And uh, most recently, Sunrise has introduced a new vision statement. And are you, if you're familiar with it, and I just want to make sure I get it correct, it's create to create the preferred lifestyle for enjoying longer, happier, healthier lives. So it's taking the concept of what we're doing at East 56th and being able to tweak it to every single community within Sunrise. And I think that's really the future vision of senior living. I've said it a few times, but that Anne's conversation, it's not only about care anymore. It is going to be about lifestyle. It is going to be about the baby boomers and what it is they want to continue to do in their lives. And uh, we talk often about it's like people are going to be jealous, like the daughter, the son. Like it's about being jealous that their mom, dad, aunt, uncle now lives in one of our communities and wants to be part of everything that their loved one is partaking in. And that's really that vision statement was just introduced and that is really the direction that the company is heading in. Yeah, it was actually one of the later questions I'd had here. I'll jump to it since we're talking about it. Obviously, we had reported last year uh, that Sunrise CEO Jack Callison had unveiled that new vision statement to, like you said, just create a preferred lifestyle for enjoying a longer, healthier, happier life. You want to talk about maybe that integration and what that process will look like here um, in the next 12 months to two years. How do you integrate that into operations at Sunrise at East 56, but also company-wide? So I think company-wide, I think it's easier at the moment to, it's easy to integrate an East 56 in the Apsley, and I can get into specifics there, but it's also easier to integrate into a lot of our newer communities. So we do develop and build a set of communities, so it's really easy to, to integrate lifestyle there from a facility standpoint, from a physical plant standpoint. So the buildings have been tweaked and changed to address more of these or, or have a, a larger impact on more of these kind of lifestyle ideas for our future residents. So that's already taken place, right? So design has already changed. Our physical plant has already changed. So, and a lot of conversations are now starting, okay, but how do we do that for the other 270 some odd communities? And it's not solely about the physical plant and the space. It's about the experiences that we could provide through various changes or tweaks in where are we focusing our team on? Like, is it additional activities team members? Do we change the concept of an activity and activities team member? Do we move to a concierge service where it is more individualized attention to the lifestyle that someone wants? Do we offer lifestyle packages? We have care packages right now. So you're on a, a care and that is tweaked and customized to your particular care needs. Nobody's care needs are exactly the same. So those are customized. Can you have a customized lifestyle package? I have what I like to do um, in my spare time. You probably have what you like to do. So do all of our residents. So do we customize lifestyle packages for individuals? So a lot of discussion um, so there are pieces of it that we are rolling out now and then pieces you'll see a year from now, two years from now, um, as we tweak uh, what this looks like in, in, in all of our communities. Yeah, I think that's another interesting point that kind of gets into my next question. And we just talked about that customization aspect. Um, and it leads my next question is about the preparing for the next generation of senior living customer. And I think we've heard more and more about how baby boomers are obviously on the cusp of senior living right now. And that uh, silver wave, quote unquote, is, is something that could be uh, very beneficial for a lot of operators who are prepared for that. So how are you preparing for the next generation of senior living customer? It sounds like you've made a lot of strides, but would love to really hear just what that preparation looks like. 
Yeah, I think the vision statement was like our, our biggest reveal on, on what that looks like and how we are changing to meet that need. It is not going to be a sole focus on care. It's really going to be more about lifestyle and wellness, right? So care needs, they're always going to be there. But the baby boomers, their focus is more, how can I stay well? I want to know what you're going to do for me to, to allow me to continue to rock climb until I'm 90, if that's what I choose to do, or you know, continue to hike until I'm 80. Like, What actual wellness programs are you going to be able to provide and how are they going to be very specific to me? Um, so that's one of the biggest changes we're making. And then from an IT standpoint, like, you know, they are, are going to be the, really the first generation that is very IT focused, very IT driven. So how are we changing all of that um, to get away from, you know, everything that's not IT focused at the moment? So from a wellness standpoint, what can we do from an IT perspective? And you'll see some of that at East 56 than the Apsley already. We use technology there that's very similar to an Apple Watch that you or I may have that monitors steps and heart rate and blood pressure. And our residents are wearing that at East 56. So it allows us, um, you know, a glimpse into wellness and how we can affect their wellness and well-being before it gets to the point where they'll need care or a new medicine or some sort of medical intervention for something. So I, I think that's the, the direction that we're heading in. Great. And now I want to shift to ask about marketing strategy uh, for luxury communities. So is the marketing strategy for the, the two communities, uh, East 56 and the Absolute, are they different than previous efforts? Uh, we know in the sales process from first contact to lease agreement has obviously lengthened considerably since the pandemic. I would love to know really just those differences in marketing strategy, but also how you really try to keep residents in quote unquote buying mode. Um, so they are different and, and really because of where they sit right now uh, with East 56 being open community, they do have a little bit of a, more of a market presence because of the time that they've been there and how long we've been trying to promote that particular building. So that uh, focus is a little bit more different and that does focus on a different area of the city. So and our marketing strategy is more social media driven, um, you know, more and more hyper-local focus to that particular area. The Apsley is a larger uh, marketing focus. It is really is getting the name out there, having it associated with Sunrise. What is this new building called the Apsley? So we are doing a more broad uh, marketing strategy, um, both social media, you know, internet-driven print ad. We've shifted over to do some things in New Jersey as well. So definitely a different uh, strategy but the sales approach is basically the same. And it also goes back to an individualized sales approach to what that customer needs actually are. And I think that's where the two communities definitely work together. We talked about them being a little, having the same amenities and some of the same things, but having differences as well. Um, so those communities are going to be, work very closely around which community is going to fit the needs of a particular resident better. And that will be uh, solely up to the sales team and the discovery and how well they're going to know those customers that are interested in either one of those buildings. 
Great to hear. And now I want to ask a few questions related to operations, not only at East 56, but more broadly, just within Sunrise in general. From an operations perspective, what was the most challenging aspect of getting things off the ground at Sunrise and East 56 in the first year? I know at the at the top of the interview, you mentioned uh, labor, 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 and we've heard that from many different operators. So you're not alone in that, but would love to know just uh, what was the most challenging aspect for East 56 in terms of operations? And then we can zoom out and really characterize operations within uh, other Sunrise communities in the last 12 months and just kind of some of the some of the biggest challenges of what you've seen? So it's still labor. I know I said that before. So big, biggest operational challenges are definitely labor. But as it relates to East 56, it wasn't a recruitment and hiring uh, labor concern at East 56. And I think you'll find this with any building that is just opening up. But the amount of time you spent on the hiring and the training and ensuring that they were ready to go and do everything that was needed of them in a new building. And most, a lot of the team members had never worked for Sunrise before. So taking a whole bunch of people and getting them trained and onboarded and in step with what it was we needed to be, what we knew for those of us who've been working for Sunrise, knew what needed to be done in order to be able to execute successfully once residents actually moved in. That is always a challenge when you're opening up a new building. So so again, not labor from a hiring standpoint, but just ensuring they knew how to execute on all aspects of it perfectly. COVID is still, you know, a challenge for us. Um, I think staying on top of the changes in regulations, the different states and how they do things differently. You know, East 56 and the Apsley has the added layer of having city guidelines and regulations and things that they need to follow as well. Um, So that continues to be a challenge. And really just being able to stay at the forefront of and ahead of the industry and what direction they're heading in is always a continued focus for us. And then more broadly across um, the other Sunrise communities that you're familiar with and oversee, how would you characterize the state of operations in the last 12 months? It sounds like overall it's been a slow build back, but would love to know how you might characterize just how the last 12 months have gone. So better, I will say, I think that we see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Like we talk about, you know, uh, during COVID and what's our new normal. Like, like, I think we understand what the new normal is now, right? And most of us have adjusted to what that is and have tweaked operations to address that. A year ago, labor wasn't in as, as great of a place as we are right now. So I think we are definitely feeling better and more optimistic about the industry and senior living and being able to operate, not how we operated three years ago, quite honestly, because I don't think we're ever going back to that, but how we need to operate and how we need to be more flexible and open to change as we operate in the coming years. And looking ahead to 2023, um, just for the next, for the year ahead, what are some key goals related to operations that you have in mind for Sunrise? It sounds like implementing a lot of this lifestyle and wellness programming. It sounds like that's something and really making that work across the portfolio is something that could be a push, but would love to really know what some are, what are some of the key goals you have your eye on for, for this year? Yeah, I think it's it's our occupancy. So that will continue to be a, a focus for Sunrise. We have um, some recent changes within our executive leadership team 
which uh, have brought in some very unique perspectives to the lifestyle pieces of it, our occupancy pieces of it. So we will be looking to uh, implement some changes uh, for sure in those two areas. So we'll, we'll definitely be an ongoing focus for us. And now back to the labor point, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, are there any strategies that are working well in terms of retaining staff? I know you talked about the time it takes to really train staff and get them oriented with Sunrise uh, policy and procedure. But um, just in terms of, from your perspective, related to the staffing issues that are uh, seeing across the industry right now in senior living, what's it look like for Sunrise and what are some things that are working well for you in terms of, of labor? Two points on that. So while it doesn't pertain to retaining the team, I just do want to hit on we had a huge focus in 2022 and will continue in 2023 in providing supplemental recruitment assistance to our our community teams. In the past, historically, recruitment of uh, community team members was really a community function. We had um, a talent acquisition team at our corporate offices, but we really ramped that up over the last 12 or 14 months. And there's a lot of focus on recruitment and the extra hands that um, are now available for our community teams uh, as it pertains to recruitment. So that has been a huge help for us. And we've seen, we call it a Tito, a team member in, a team member out, but we've seen a really nice gain in the amount of frontline team members that we now have working for us uh, within Sunrise. So a lot of push there, but to your point, that doesn't help us if we continue to have a backdoor problem, right? So what have we done uh, to engage our team and to make sure that they stay with us? So we have done a lot on the wage front. We have done wage analysis across the board. We have made wage changes uh, to our frontline team where appropriate. Our company had done a complete rehaul of our benefits package in 2022. So we rolled out an entirely new benefits package, uh, which has a lot of positive changes for our frontline team. I think the changes that were made addressed the majority of our team members and the majority of our team members are those frontline folks. So changes to wages, changes to benefits, flexibility Gone are the days where somebody works uh, Monday through Friday, you pick a six to two, two to 10. We have absolutely opened our minds to the flexibility of our scheduling and meeting the schedules and the needs of our frontline team members and put a huge focus on work-life balance, which that, that scheduling absolutely plays into. And just with the labor perspective, we've heard from operators, it seems like for the last year, really tell us that agency labor is going down, albeit while maybe overtime might be going up a little bit to kind of offset that. Uh, what are you seeing in terms of agency labor? And is that at something that's completely eliminated right now or, or close to being eliminated? I know I know, it's sometimes kind of associated as as a, a dirty word, quote unquote, you know, for within senior living. To be able to eliminate that has been a top of mind goal, it seems like for a lot of operators in the last 12 months. From your perspective, just what does it look like in terms of agency labor and overtime? So we, like many other operators, absolutely used contract labor in 2022. I am happy to say that we have seen over a 90% decline in the amount of contract labor that we have been using recently. We are extremely close to eradicating the need to use contract labor across the company. We are at a handful of communities that are currently using it and they're in certain pockets, um, but we have made vast strides in eliminating the use of contract labor. And 
all of that is done through those the things that I had touched on early on. But it, it has made a huge difference to team member morale, team member engagement, to your point around engagement. Contract labor did not help engagement. Those folks weren't invested. And so the just the elimination of contract labor has absolutely helped with overall engagement, for sure. And from where you sit today, do you see the labor environment improving uh, in the near future and, and beyond for 2023 and, be, and to 2024? I think we've seen sort of a, a stabilization, if you will, of labor challenges, and they may be persistent right now. But what we're hearing from operators is that they're slowly starting to improve. So just from, from your end, um, do, you, do you see these labor pressures improving in the near future? Uh, absolutely. Like I said, I think that we have seen uh, some dramatic changes in these labor pressures over the last six months or so, and we are super close to eradicating all need for contract labor. I think you, we'll never be able to let up, though. I think it's going to be a constant battle, uh, and we need to always be ahead. So we're not going to be able to stop with the additional recruitment. We're not going to be able to stop with really, you know, being creative around what it looks like to recruit, retain team members. It's going to be an an ever-evolving battle, for sure. And just off of that, we'll we'll end on a positive note. Where do you see the opportunities ahead for Sunrise in 2023? Would love to to really know what your perspective is and what you're really looking forward to. It sounds like you have a lot of uh, really interesting things going on in terms of uh, lifestyle and wellness and also making those gains in occupancy. So would love to know what you're eyeing as something that you're most opportunistic about and feeling good about heading into 2023 and beyond. Yeah, you know, I think the last year or so with our our new uh, CEO, Jack Callison, coming on and and all of the changes that he has made, I think the last year or so has really been a transformation. You know, for those of us who've been with the company for 15 or more years, like myself, like it has been very, um, it's like a breath of fresh air for him to come in with the ideas that he's coming in with and the changes and really keeping us relevant in a market that we've been in, you know, an industry that we've been in for so long. So, uh, you know, all of us are, are really looking forward to that change, really. It's, and it's not a change. It's an, I want to make sure I'm saying it's an and conversation. We're never going to get away from care. We're never going to away from being the, the industry leader in the care we provide. But it's, it's the and conversation. It's being able to provide that extra, the wellness focus, the lifestyle focus. So we are excited about that. And, we, and I am very excited, I will say personally, from being able to really just focus on the new normal, like stop having to, you know, address just one crisis after another, whether it be labor or COVID or, or you know, everything that's been thrown at the industry over the last couple of years, that it, we, it is really time to be able to settle down and really move towards the quality that we've provided over the last 40 years. And what does the next 40 of excellence look like for our company? So I think it's a really exciting time for us. And with that, Denise, thank you very much for joining me today on Transform. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. That does it for this episode of Transform. I'm Austin Montgomery, a reporter for Senior Housing News. Thanks for listening.